Hello. San Diego. Everybody, you're listening to Dublin Digital Radio. This is the Recommendation Game, a film of the week podcast where we take turns to pick a movie that the other person hasn't seen and then we watch it separately and meet to discuss it. I am Ricardo Deacon. I am Orla McNeilis. Thank you for joining us, Orla, even though you join us every week because you're a co-host. Who is the us you're talking about? Is it you and Bobo? <laughs> Bobo, yeah, like the cat that just decided that he belongs to your home. Yeah, yeah, we got a surprise guest. <laughs> Sadly not joining us for the podcast, but he's here in spirit. In spirit. <laughs> uh, today's film was chosen by Orla. Uh, unlike what she said last week, it is not the first South American movie. It is the first Latin American film. I'll give you that. It is a Cuban movie from 1968. It is Memories of Underdevelopment or Memorias del Subdesarrollo. Directed by Tomas Gutierrez Alea. Written by Tomas Gutierrez Alea. Screenplay by Edmundo Desnoes. Based on Inconsolable Memoria. No. See, sí, Memorias Inconsolables, which is Inconsolable Memories by Edmundo Desnoes. It's just such a cheerful title. Uh, starring uh, Sergio Corrieri and Daisy Granados. Music by Leo Brower. Cinematography by Ramon F. Suarez. Or F. E. Suarez. Uh, the letter We're F always authentic here. And et- yes, <laughs> especially when it's you and Greek names. Oh my God, go fuck yourself. It's every foreign name. <laughs> Ricardo it's with two R's Uh, edited by Nelson Rodriguez see I was using my Latin American Spanish accent unlike Mm -hmm. the other Mm -hmm. one because Mm -hmm. I know that you you like precision in how names are pronounced Mm -hmm. especially because like uh, I understand that like one of our teachers in Spanish in college was from Donegal as well so I understand the Difficulty with translating your accent into a proper Spanish accent, but it's fine. It's okay. Mm-hmm. We can move on. Mm-hmm. Are you going to put me in a position where I have to defend Alma? Is that where we are? <laughs> we don't speak that name in this house. <laughs> Alma! <laughs> it's too late! <laughs> um, the synopsis of this movie... Um, too late. I already can see that this episode is going to be very tangential. Uh, <laughs> like every other week. <laughs> Well, like some weeks are better than others. Uh, This week's film's uh, synopsis is In the aftermath of the Bay of Pigs invasion, Sergio, an affluent writer, chooses to stay behind in Cuba while his wife and family escapes to neighboring Miami. Sergio is pessimistic about the revolutionary's promise to bring sweeping change to his country, and he squanders his days prowling the streets of Havana looking for female companionship. Trouble erupts when his fling with Chase Elena nearly ruins him after her family accuses Sergio of rape. Very dramatic there at the end for yeah. the part of the movie, which is, in a way, the least important. <laughs> or is it? So, Orla, why did you pick uh, this Cuban film from 1968? Um, because I know how much our audience loves hearing you say things in Spanish. So, uh... <laughs> El Español es muy uh, no, um, like numerous reasons. I think this is a really interesting film. But um, when I saw this, like I didn't know, I didn't know a massive amount about like what Cuba, Cuba itself was actually like at this time, other than you know all the the context of like um, all the big historical events that were going on. But more from kind of like an American side or even the European side of looking on at what was going on at that time. Um, and I think this film does really well. Is like. It really, it really evokes a time and a place brilliantly, um, as like as things are changing rapidly around everyone, and um, as like as the country like tries to find itself and what its new identity is, while everything is shifting and like you know, and it's it's at times like rapidly changing and also very slowly changing, and I think it's like very much ac- echoed in its main character and. Like he's a thoroughly unlikable chap, um, like but his struggle for his place and his identity within this new time it, it echoes, I think, that of his country and of his nation as a whole. Um, and I think like the title is obviously right on point. Um, like you know, he, his sort of like his judgment of everything and how that eventually evolves into his judgment of himself as his character kind of dissolves. Um, but I think it manages to 
to portray what is quite a difficult task. We've talked about this a lot about like more about creating a place or evoking a place. And um, I think like even when we were saying when we were talking about uh, Julieta, um, uh, <laughs> about uh, how he like Almodovar doesn't capture Madrid at all in any way. Like it doesn't matter what time it is. He's not really, he's never been a director that's able to evoke a particular place at all. And I think that this really, really does. Um, and like, it, it's not just, I don't think it's just that he's making this in 1968 and it's all, you know what I mean? Like in the time. And um, I think it, it's, it's through like his, his really, really interesting, quite ambitious blend of like narrative and like really striking archive footage and photographs and everything. And you have the full kind of like visual and emotional context of the time as well and the impact of it. And as like Sergio is just wandering around like this like as the city falls to pieces and like at one point like um he says that um it's a cardboard city uh, which i think is really interesting but it's uh it's his sort of like it's his slow unraveling that that's so interesting and like it's like in the, the fact that it's told to this like bleak but also quite funny like inner monologue as well um it's like he's moving from this like confident like intellectual um like, <laughs> like he's where he's happy to throw away his family and his, you know, his old life and everything, and like completely you know, exchange it for this indulgent life of this, you know, like opulent bachelor where he's wandering around and like he's like, I, I am this confident outsider, you know, I am detached from this, you know, you know, like just sort of like hanging out with Pablo, but you know, completely judging him, being like, oh, you were my past self and everything, and you know, like Pablo is my old life. Uh, and there's a great thing he says actually. Um, kind of summed up i think like his character like where he says uh the revolution may destroy me but it is my revenge against the stupid cuban bourgeoisie and assholes like pablo <laughs> and he's saying this to himself as he's waving at pablo as pablo leaves and it's like that the idea that like the stubbornness of that of like you know remaining in a place but he's like convinced himself that he's like some sort of, some sort of rebel you know like while his family goes off that like he's here and like he's staying or whatever but like i think fundamentally like he can't leave because what is he outside of cuba you know what I mean like um uh, like I was I was thinking about this last day like the whole thing with the round table which is such a funny scene <laughs> it's just it's kind of comical as my dad would say but um where he's looking at like the um uh, one of the main guys he's like one of the main intellectuals and he's like <clears throat> you know you would be nothing abroad you know like you you're like uh, but here you have a place like here you're this great intellectual you of the revolution and everything but like you would be nothing you know you'd be nothing in America I think that like you know part of that's part of Sergio's idea of that like outside of Cuba what is he um I think like what I love as well is is um like there's very much a film of like waiting um waiting and, and patience and unease um like disasters unfolding very slowly around him and all you can do, you know, you're kind of waiting, you're waiting for the world to end. And like, it's something that is explored a lot in like, a lot of different movies, like especially around like um, like the Cuban Missile Crisis and even like the Cold War and everything and like that. And you can see even in something like Mad Men, whenever like they're the kind of the panic and like the, the, the sort of like the feeling that something really awful is coming, but you can't do anything and all you can do is sit around and wait. Uh, and I think that's quite well... It's interesting from the Cuban context because like you're within like this, you know, like it's very hot and, you know, so much of Sergio's life is just kind of sitting around like by choice because like he's he's choosing to just live off this rent and do nothing. Basically, he could be writing, but he's not, you know, like it's he's show he's chosen this sort of like um, uh, indulgent life that in the end is just boredom. It's unfulfillment. It's just time for him to think about his inadequacies. Um, but I think as well, like despite the like, it, it is it is quite a bleak film. I think um, in a lot of a lot of different ways. But I think what I loved about this as well is that it it captures like the sort of um, uh, like the essence of of like Cuba and like the uh, like some of my favorite scenes of this are just him walking around the streets of Havana and like you know that I think a lot of that was was literally just him wandering around and like they're all real people and um it's it's really really beautiful like sort of street photography style um that like oh I just I loved it and like really it's like the vibrancy of Cuba and like the people and everything um but I love as well like I was saying I said a few of the quotes there but um I just I love the use of language like <laughs> this is it's this, like stupidly over 
like intellectual analysis of everything he encounters and everything he sees and it should be like it shouldn't work it should it should grate you know what I mean like this like stuffy like you know look at him he's judging everyone and like everything he says about the women he encounters and everything like he's insufferable but like it's it's paired with like it's like the stark imagery of of him and like the wall he's putting up against like everything that's happening while at the same time like he's got one foot in the present and everything that's happening and one foot very very firmly in the past and I think like it's not that surprising that the novel is called Inconsolable Memories because I think that Sergio is already living a lie whenever they leave because I feel like you know he's already inconsolable he's already trapped not just in the past with his wife but before that like his childhood everything that you know he was a man lost in you know a crisis basically that is kind of inconsolable uh I think as well like visually this is really, really interesting like I mean this is you know it's like I really enjoy the fact that it's a like Cuban take on the new wave like it's very very Goddard very you know like very like the cool guys of of new wave um well, you know, beautiful, beautiful black and white photography, but also it's very kinetic style as well. The use of montage really, like, it's really, really, like, I mean, like the use of montage and junk cuts and everything that like Goddard and, and Truffaut and everything um, utilize, it's really interesting there. But in the context of this film and like the, the context of this and the fact that like, this is one of the first films as well that comes out or around, you know what I mean? Like I, 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 in the sixties, like it's, it's really interesting how he uses that within this particular film. It, it lends it more of a weight than say like, you know, or whatever you know which is like a film with merits but his use of montage here is really really like it's it's at times really shocking like it, it but like necessarily so of like what he's talking about but he's blending that with like this you know <laughs> vastly unlikable man but his transformation is just so interesting that you're you're really kind of you're you're held throughout the whole thing um yeah, it kind of uh, sort of reminded me of um, of Persepolis as well, and like um, sort of like the you know the the memory of a time and like when things are rapidly changing in a person's life and like their timeline with the historical timeline and who the how the two things merge and and how much you're caught up in the country you come from and. So I I think yeah the, the kind of like the turbulence of it uh, and like obviously memory is something we talk about a lot and like identity and the, how the two things are com- uh, combined but I think yeah it, like this is a this is a very particularly interesting use of it I think mm. um, yeah I mean like uh, there's loads of things I love about this that we'll get to um, but I know like it does contain a really horrendous female character um, it is 1968 so it gets a sort of a half pass for that. Um, uh, like it is it's very much like this is very much Sergio's film um very much his perspective and I think it's a strength but in the case of her is a complete weakness because she kind of becomes nothing more than like a shrill metaphor for like Cuba and you know like everything he's feeling and uh, you know she's just sort of a vessel and yeah it, it's just it's a bit it's problematic but as I said 1968 um but uh yeah so I, I find this film interesting and like the more I watch it the more I'm just like there's just so much here and um, yeah so what do you think? Yeah like uh, first of all like uh, um, I'll start with saying that my my relationship with the Cuban revolution it's a very different one to one of an Irish context let's say. I would imagine so yes. Yeah. And also considering that at the time my family would have been living in in during the 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 back end of the like Bay of Pigs era, yeah, and even probably nineteen sixty two. No, that would have been still in Uruguay. But after when whole Red Scare and stuff was going on, my family was living in the Bahamas. Really? So yeah, so like they had this relationship with so the Bahamas had a I lot of uh, Cuban expatriates. Yeah, and stuff. I know that. Like my granddad was working for Banco Canada, and he got moved over there when my mom was six or seven. So it would have been like sixty-three or something. Yeah. Around that era, so in the, in that Caribbean situation, and then they also spent a lot of time in Miami because to do any level of shopping at that era, even. Uh, what is the capital of the Bahamas again? Um, oh, 
Nassau. Oh, okay. Uh, the, even in Nassau, uh, at the time, you couldn't get anything really imported because it's just a coral island. Yeah. Like, even bananas and fruit and veg were expensive. The only uh, items that were normally priced were fish or anything, coconuts, and mm-hmm. stuff that you can <laughs> be provided by the island itself. Yeah. Everything else was imported either from Great Britain because at the time it was a protectorate mm-hmm. or Miami. So when going to Miami and such on the, Miami. in that era as well, like in that era, it wasn't very glamorous to go to Miami. It's still not glamorous to go to Miami. Yeah, come on. Swampy. <laughs> That's what we want. A place with hurricanes and swamps. <laughs> and it, at the end, they decided who the president is. <laughs> is that obviously my family being from Latin America and at that time, they're slightly... <laughs> more right-wing than I am, let's say. <laughs> and considering as well that the interaction that they had were with Cubans were from expatriates that left as soon as the revolution were coming in. Yeah. So their idea of communist Cuba is that monsters, Fidel Castro is like a villain, etc. That he's the boogeyman more than a villain. I think that's the incorrect mm. word. Because I don't agree with the extreme way communism whatsoever uh i am a socialist but those are two different animals mm. um <laughs> you wouldn't think so these days yeah but uh, <clears throat> uh but my point being that also that there's a misunderstanding on why cuba had, uh, accepted the revolution mm. because even though uh something has even already four or five years into the project quote-unquote of the revolution, things weren't as rosy as promised or that the one-party government, you already started to see cracks in the idea of freedoms that you have and uh, the oppression that continued after the Batista government got overthrown. Mm. But it's at the same time, it is you have not gained any freedoms, but you didn't lose any. Mm. Uh, And you're no longer starving to death because you have a Russian book and you have a job because it's communism. So even if you go to a restaurant and nobody eats, you still do eight hours a day and they still pay you money at the end because everything is owned by the government. So it's an understanding of why, lack of understanding why a country like Cuba would go the way that it did because this movie does a fairly good job at portraying uh, even for the somebody in the middle class, the 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 problems of the Batista government and the 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 fears that you had, like the moral compromises that you had to do to 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 even exist without complaining. Mm. And uh, I think that it shows also that like the uh, it's important also to note that like the people that were like in the Bay of Pigs weren't exactly the people. You know what I mean? That they were very invested, ex-military, ex-landlords, etc. So I think that the the reason for this long answer is because it's so central to the the understanding of this movie that I think that coming into it, it's it, it's been always interesting. Like for example, watching the ending, uh, the middle part of Godfather Part Two with my family, <laughs> it's kind of. They're on the side of the mafiosos. Like in the, the Sicily part? No, the part in, in in the second movie is in Havana, like the oh, part with Al Pacino. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. That they're in Havana while the Batista government is being overthrown. And they were on the side of the mafiosi going like, oh, this is disgusting. And it's like, this movie is making the point that like the co- like they're like <laughs> Michael Corleone just goes and kills a couple of people and he gets like so much control. And you're going, oh, it's they had to oh, look. I like that system yeah you know <laughs> what I mean that they're like yeah. oh, look at these poor people fleeing Havana oh they just like killed a hundred people but they were poor so it's fine <laughs> they were poor and they were communists yeah yeah I think oh I- no but they were like the like the reason the communists went in is because like in the beginning Batista was killing anybody like it's <laughs> it's just 
mental uh, to think yeah, about. Yeah, I think it is, like, it is interesting that this movie, despite the fact that as far as I can make out your man, he made it, was reading that he was definitely, he was quite on the side of the communists, let's say, that the movie itself kind of falls somewhere between the two, that he's kind of, I mean, you know, it swings around depending on where we are, but like, he's he's kind of, he's, 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 he's kind of like, he's hitting both sides a little I, bit, jabbing them both, I would I, say. I think it's more than anything is the, uh, the parts of, the issues that the country is facing, like the lack of oil, uh, etc., is due to the American embargo on Cuba. Yeah. So I think that because um, he mentions so much of the film is portraying the, the Bay of Pigs, but also the idea that people of intellect and such, or anybody with, at the time, uh, that had college degrees or whatnot went to America instead mm. of improving Cuba. Mm. That is any they issues that they're out. having mm. at that time <clears throat> are teething pains or having that many traitors, let's say. Mm. And the people that are there, they might be suffering and they might be simple, but they they're they they're Cubans, you know, yeah. they're true yeah. Cubans. And then you have Sergio, that is like the the least uh, uh, like the most apathetic chap. Yeah, and the. <laughs> the least likable character that we've faced in quite a bit. <laughs> uh, he clearly is such a fake communist that he's trying to use the system to gain, to maintain his uh, power, but even fecklessly not doing anything with his property or whatever, that yeah. he starts losing uh, things and uh, items until he is in a position that he has uh, what's in his piggy bank and then whenever that money runs out and runs out because you don't have any private property so mm. he used to rent apartments that you never see or whatnot so i think politically the the, the film is interesting but at the same time simplistic in a way that is interesting because it's made in cuba in 1968 mm. and there's so few films that are shown on Cuba. Also, it's the something that you saw Cold War recently. Yes, then. I was only going to say, because I like we were talking about like um, people defecting to America and everything. And there's a certain amount of like, like American lust, let's say, yeah. like lusting after the idea of America. And it did made me because I saw Cold War today. So um, of like the whole thing of how like thinking that like if we can just get to Paris, everything will be perfect. And but like, also it's romanticizing the, of it. But also is the ignorance of the Western civilization to what it came to communism especially at that time like obviously when it came closer to the collapse of communism it's completely different because mm. even cuba at that time wasn't too bad because it was being so heavily subsidized by the soviet union but uh in cold war there is that scene that uh oh, with the poet uh, that the uh, the the main female character in cold war goes to a french lady Zola. and the french lady oh, uh, oh don't you him. love it isn't yeah. it wonderful uh, She's oh, like, this must be a shock to you she yeah. says uh, the, i prefer opulence <laughs> and uh, the the main character is living as a very poor artist in paris when she was a very famous artist yeah. in poland so it's this idea that uh, at that time that everything everybody was in dire poverty and yeah. everything so this Instantly. movie kind of shows the, the it just got yeah. organized but like reorganized rather no mm. I idea or I, not like I love that as well and like Cold War is actually a very good comparison to this because like I think for her character like it's in the way that like she was a star in Poland and that how so much of her identity is wrapped up in that idea of like the Poland itself and you completely understand why she goes back in yeah. the end of like and how like when she's in France and he's trying to like make her into this like into what he is which is like complete you know expatriate whatever like he you know he's no love of Poland he's completely happy living in France for the rest of his life and how she starts to feel that he's trying well, like, to you I, know I think not to get too distracted with Cold War yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sorry. I think that like it's so part it, it's part of also like this film like what I think that uh, the I can't remember the name of the character now that, Zola uh, the no the uh, male character the male oh, character of um, Cold War oh god um. whatever his name is uh, that in Poland he's molding his environment even under the restrictions of communism mm. and when he goes to France he is so enamored with France and also. Because he doesn't have to struggle anymore in the system. He's trying to mold himself based on his environment. And I think that mm. that's why she goes, you were a man in Poland. Yeah. And now it's not about masculinity more than anything. It's about character that 
no longer he's imposing he his less. ideas. He does less creatively in France than he ever did in Poland. Yeah, like, like he's not imposing his ideas. And in, in, in a way, it's the same as in the, this movie that um, even, uh, I don't know if it's a comment or like the, the interesting thing of using Western cinematic techniques to of communist directors who weren't communists at the time <laughs> to portray communism in uh, broadly kind of the, not in a propaganda way but in a light that seems to be like it's what made me feel like interested one of the things that made me interested in the movie that mm. it's walking this line of not being propaganda like but hiding the fact that it is propaganda like because in order it's completely, to get made <laughs> not only to in order to get made is in order to uh get global recognition going to can etc mm. but not seem overtly communist. like uh, a communist film but it, it's such a communist movie it's that pink is, not red and i think that uh, the the main issue with the movie the two main issues with the movie is a lack of development of the Sergio point of view and character mm. I think that it is because the movie starts and ends with the same point of view that people bourgeoisie fuckers like Sergio are inherently bad people mm. so when you're judging your character that way there's nowhere that you can go I think that the film judges it <laughs> Like, uh, <clears throat> like I, th- I find his unraveling interesting, though. Like, but I don't think it's an, uh, uh, no, an unraveling I, in itself. More the 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 like, like finally being truthful with yourself, maybe more than anything of like you know where he starts off that he's like, oh, this is great, and by the end of it, he's like, you what you know, because there's a few great lines where he's just like, um, you say. Um, he says one great language is you remember too much, but like where he's saying like you are nothing, like you know you are. Yeah, but even in that in that comment, it's because he's uh, the the asshole bourgeoisie person. Is the idea of whose idea who like and that is a point that actually resonated to me as a Latin American. Yeah, that uh, some people even in uh, in Uruguay, let's say, have this uh, uh, sort of Yankee. Uh, fetish yeah like that they have a yankee fetish yeah and i think the film is making a comment on that that why why is that uh, part of it is because uh, uh because there's no money in culture and there's no real history of culture in those countries in the same way that there is in irish culture mm. so most of the uh the c- culture that we consume comes from the united states like TV shows, movies, music. music, everything else. Or if it's not American, it was it's being gatekept by the Americans because, for example, in Brazil in the 70s, if uh, if Queen was recording, releasing an album, it would have been Warner Brothers Music, WBM, that would have been releasing in America in yeah. Brazil. Yeah. So Brazil is not that bad in Brazil because the, we had a few run run-ins with the Americans about petroleum and shit like that. But, what run-ins yeah. over but, oil? But at the same time, it's kind of the. It was a dictatorship, so who gives a shit about America at the time? Yeah. Like, uh, well, countries like Uruguay, but I think that even like in my generation and such, the. With video games, everything, it's very Americanized in many ways. Mm. Uh, you see, like, surfer dudes that look like like my cousin dresses up like a Miami guy. He dresses up like a Miami guy. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like, uh, like blonde hair, kind of just yeah, wavy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like beach, ble- beach yeah. blonde. Hats like there, yeah. like trucker hats that are, like, bigger than uh, Country Manor. Dude. Uh, yeah. So it has all of these things. And then you get this um, this idea that if you're not, if you wouldn't be big in America, it's like when Shakira came out of Colombia, be, like, this is a good analogy of it because even in pop culture, mm. that she was pretty big in all Latin America before she broke the American market. Mm. Like I remember some like Spanish songs that she used to sing way before she tried to break into America. Where was Shakira from? She's from Colombia. Oh. And 
the way the South Americans looked at Shakira when she was just big in Latin America versus mm -hmm. the way when she's like, now she made it in the US. Now she's a superstar. Yeah. That before, like, even though you like the music the same way as before, is that she, the there wasn't like the validation. You haven't made it until you've made it in America. Yeah. Yeah. And it's this bullshit kind of thing, especially when it comes to philosophy and economics and the, the like that. Obviously, if you're uh, a Uruguayan economist that goes against like free market environment in South America, you would be uh, ostracized in America like, unless you got some respect in Europe or somewhere else. Mm. And then they can't deny you the the the... The platform to voice your your ideas obviously you would have been stonewalled there mm. uh, but coming back to the film more than anything uh, like it's an interesting film because like so much i've been talking about politics and stuff in that mm. sense but as a film where you were talking about a female character i think that the biggest problem Just with uh, before we get yes. on to talking about the female character um i did want to ask you especially if you're talking about like the american thing and everything um what you thought of the use of hemingway um and like what he's saying about like <laughs> in the end Hemingway didn't care about Cuba he just kind of you know he like you know like it, it's an interesting addition it's also like one of my favorite sort of sections of the film and I wondered what you thought of the well but like uh, it's part of that thing of uh, the the whatchamacallit Fetishization. The, the way that it's almost like propaganda because mm. Hemingway, you, you say anything about Hemingway, even when he went to the Spanish Civil War or the First World War, he really went there just for A, adventure, B, to kill people, C, for... Drinking. Drinking. <laughs> the, like, he, he's the easy example to give about anything that is fake or whatever. It's like, oh yeah, great writer, great empathy creates love stories and then is one of the worst husbands in history, you know, for like three wives. Yeah. Uh, uh, he writes about the passion of living, but really he overdid it completely. So you read these books and you go like, oh, it's amazing to live this way. But then when you go one to one example, it's terrible. And also it's the would be like in an Irish context, just the, the British guy that lives in Connemara and doesn't give a shit. You know what I mean? It's a it's a very obvious option to to the go British for. British guy who lives in Connemara. Do you know many like snobby English people? No, but I mean of the of the time of like let's say uh, 1917 or something. Yeah. Like before uh, at that time that there is uh, because it, I because don't know how well that example holds up. no because uh, at the time that Hemingway was living there it was either uh, the Batista government that was basically a popular government of America in many ways mm. and uh, if he had visited before then it was like post uh, uh, Anglo American Spanish American War which. Uh, uh, Cuba was occupied by American soldiers for quite a while. Mm. So, and it became an American protectorate. So it's this idea of owning the land, even though it's not your country. Mm. But also it, it, in that way of, let's say if uh, an uh, English writer lived in Connemara, but didn't speak to any Irish people, mm. that'd be the same. But getting that villainous idea because they got the easiest person to portray as a villain because there was a lot of Americans at the time, in fairness, that... Not in Cuba precisely, but everywhere in the world, it's like any other country that you have people that uh, delve into the society and then you have people that don't. Same way, like in Power of the Sun is a perfect example, like the British molding the their land to suit the, their own means that they'll never like... The, the Chinese were only to be servants. Yeah. You know what I mean? They would never cross paths. Like if they wanted to, they could go their entire lives without speaking more than two words with a Chinese person outside their home hmm. or without telling them what to like do. It's creating like compounds of, yeah. Yeah, of so I, extreme Britishness, like more British than home. Yeah, and I think it's like affluence and money. That's it. like the more money you have, the less freedom you have in a way. Mm. That if you see it, like you hardly think that somebody like Brad Pitt or something just goes into a Starbucks and sits there and talks to a stranger. Like you, you lose that ability to have mm. that. And also well, you fame. panic everybody. That's a slightly different. Yeah. But also is the, 
uh, in many ways, but they picked in that case also in like way, uh, yeah, so yeah, uh, someone recognizable, yeah, especially at that time, such that uh, the and I th- thought that it was interesting as well, like that they use they even though it's like criticizing capitalism that it's the proto capitalist communism that they still do it as a tourist attraction, <laughs> so they'll make money out of it. Yeah, exactly. So well, disapproving, but yeah. you know money uh, <laughs> uh yeah no i just thought i thought it was kind of interesting but um yeah a female character yeah like i think the uh, the the biggest problem with her as a character or not a character per se but uh, as part of this movie is that i never figured out it, what the intention of the character was yeah mainly because the performance is so bad yeah she's also terrible and what it does but she looks pretty on film yeah, she she like it looks like they went in the street of Havana and went, okay, let's find as close Someone as we can nice as a Cuban uh, a Cuban avatar to Anna Karina, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> like Godard was in the in the sidelines yeah, go, yeah. going like nope, I can find her. Nope, nope, smoking yes. a cigar or Look something. Look at her knees. <laughs> yeah, but I think the. Because the performance is so weak, I, I yeah. never uh, was able to figure out what the intention of her character is in, is in the film. Yeah, like, is she a victim or isn't she? It, it's it's weird and, like, at times really uncomfortable. And then, uh, yeah, and then, in, like, the whole court thing, I don't think really holds up either. Even though, like, the sequence with her brother is really funny. And, and like, his sort of, like, wry observation of it. But it's it's just, it's, yeah, I don't know. It, well, like, the part with the court was, is, I think, the only part that kind of worked because... Even though uh, he didn't, much uh, more call it raper. She was still sixteen under, yeah, she was under what, the age she was of 17, consent. I don't know, but yeah, either way, she was yeah. still she was still far too young. It's just that it shows still that anybody that looks the part and sounds the part uh, gets away with anything. Yeah, uh, and even in comedies because they're judges yeah. and whatnot. Uh, so like I think that that made a point, but also it stretched out in a way that, for example, his relationship with uh, his friend going out it was far mm. more interesting, and uh, him walking the streets. Their little or conversations, else. yeah. I think that's what was. I I got a bit tired of them. So by the time they got to the court thing, it was like, yeah. Even but, his relationship with his uh, maid is really mm. interesting because it's like in a communist country, you have a maid still. So. Yeah. And how does that work? What is the... The transition the of the country, yeah. Yeah, yeah like, I think as well, like he's really good. So uh, he's in so many scenes with her and she's just flailing around the room and you're no idea. And it's like, it's... I feel like, A, she wasn't a very good actress and then trying to give the direction of be this wild young girl to someone yeah, who's young and, then, and doesn't have any skills it's yeah yeah then you have the the very uh problematic uh sexual encounter that is like the oh the no really means yes that yeah, is the, yeah a problem that still very prominent yeah and it's a uh, you can't forgive it for even being the 60s because it's not what we've said of other films that are sexual politics of films because they're of that time or even racial politics of films that there's difference between misrepresentation and uh or lack of representation Mm -hmm. than actual like racism or misogyny which this is overtly misogynist and also the, the way that she has no internal life in a way just to yeah make it worse but because it is his point of view i thought that maybe that was a comment on itself but then it never goes anywhere yeah i think like if it was just that she had no internal life that would be one thing and that would yeah. be a very 60s thing and still you know a thing but and because it's it fan- is a point of view film it could yeah. be that it's yeah. his perception uh, that, of as her i was saying that it's like this is very much his film which is fine but like it's the fact that there are so many questionable scenes and that he like He's kind of creepy with all the women, but he's particularly creepy with her. And it's like, uh... And then it reveals that she's 16 and it's, yeah. it makes it even worse. And none of it is necessary. No, and I it's think not, it's really, that it's kind not of... adding enough to, to, you know, and he's not making, even if it's not adding to the other storylines, he's not even making enough of a comment on that particular yeah, like, relationship. It's it's the simplification that every flood that this film has really comes from the fact that it is a piece of propaganda, you see. Not in propaganda to, uh, not in the common sense of the word that it is to 
portray a vision to the people of that country. They usually or to try to change the mind of, let's say, British dropping leaflets into Germany in September 1939. Yeah. I think that it is more propaganda to show, look, Cuba can be a cultural yeah. uh, part to the world. And it's successful. Yeah. Like- it is successful, but then all the problems of the film are inherited from that sense that because the movie is being critical of bourgeoisie stands and fake communism as well yeah the idea of like bourgeoisie communism as yeah. well that i think that it is also going a along comet- with it to yeah yeah and i think it's also a comet- people who are uh, necessary for a political movement like that completely like you need those people on your side people who will just nod and smile and yeah. take the money but also i think it's a comment on like uh, shitty let's say left bank Parisian communists that is like oh yeah like, oh yeah this is the Picasso thing is so fantastic it's like it's easy to, it's easy to be a communist when you're rich in Paris it's yeah. like yeah oh, which is a beautiful line like it's just I, like language is so it's so fantastic and like I had a very good translation like my subtitles were very very good as well so like do we have the same subtitles we did okay, yeah. um, and like oh it's just some of the some of the things he says like so cutting so like I mean, there's so much of him just wandering around judging women. You know what I mean? And like, just there's a one where I think he's at the pool and he describes like there's like women go by and he's like, oh, it's funny how quickly they turn. They start to rot like a piece of fruit. And yeah. You're like, oh, you're such a prick. It's but, a very, it, it's quite a sexy movie though as well. Like at times, like and in, in, in like problematic ways, obviously. But at the same time, like it's got that like new wave coolness to yeah. it as well which is like which makes it problematic because yeah, it comes 100, from the 100% coming because back it's, to propaganda yeah. the, the way it like even oh Bobo's here hey Bobo <laughs> we own Bobo now we'll put up a picture of Bobo just so that people understand yeah um, yeah, uh, I just wanted to give a, a shout out as well to, um, to the soundtrack. I really, yeah. really like the soundtrack, um, and the editing as well, because I think like... The editing reminded me a lot of a uh, Citizen of, of uh, Suspicion. Or... Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that, yeah. And even like the character, the performance and his yeah. look and stuff. Yeah, I think that... He it... does kind of look like him, actually. I think Only that more it... handsome. Another uh, issue that the movie had, and it's something that the actor, actually, I read a bit of, about the movie, that he had the same reservations as I did, that he's aged up. For the character, mm. that the character is meant to be in his early forties, as he no, is he's in the book. Thirty-eight, uh, he, I think. Start. The character, yes, yeah. but uh, the actor was in his mid twenties. Oh. So, like, I think that there's a lot of that, like the, it's oh, just God. my hair kind of thing. And yeah. for me, like, there was something about him, especially because yeah, he did he's look placed, a bit weird. Yeah. yeah. But I thought his face looked the age he was, but I don't know why they did that to his hair. They could have just got away with. No, but like if he was 28, like, but my problem is more like performance wise or whatever, like the idea that he's been running that shop for 17 years or something. Yeah. I would never believe that. Yeah. Okay. You know what I mean? That it's kind of like that he built the, the empire or that he's like hitting the books that literally when uh, they show him working and uh, his <laughs> youth getting married or whatnot, he, they just have him with his natural hair and then they put <laughs> white hair afterwards. And I felt that. Uh, you know, like the crap makeup at the end of Cinema Paradiso. Uh, I did actually yeah. think of Cinema Paradiso though because of the um, the the porn montage. Yeah. Like, like the montage of kissing, <laughs> but it's like the like the, the impure version of that. Like yeah, um, <clears throat> but yeah, and again the the bad makeup. Um, uh, and I I thought yeah, like the 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 the, the film does uh, like the editing goes a good clip. I did really enjoy it, but so you did like it then. Yeah, yeah, I did like it, but <laughs> but it, that's the 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 problem. I think in a way like that, I didn't feel it, it's weird when you can read that the movie is trying to manipulate you to feel a way a certain way mm. because it's a piece of propaganda. But like it manipulates you to feel in a way that it, like um, to approve of a corrupt ideology, okay? And the movie makes me think, agree with it, you know, because yeah. it is successful and it is a good movie and I enjoyed it. And then afterwards, I, I was sitting there going like, "Oh Wait shit! If, if I didn't, minute. if I hadn't read more or knew better, I'd be like." 
Sold. <laughs> Sold. I'd be like marching down the street, like fucking. I don't think you with would. A I, re- I don't think. I don't think that's entirely what the movie is doing. I, I don't turn into think, Jay Baruchel in that movie, The Trotsky. And I don't think that. It's uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't think that the movie is is successful at the thing it's not even doing. But anyways, uh, I'm glad that you did actually enjoy it because you never actually said that. You just sort of went off on a whole thing. Well, like. I think that it it is like I enjoyed it, but because in, in both style and message, like style is so it's a well executed carbon copy of like like a mixture of Truffaut and Goddard yeah. and a little bit of like Melville and stuff like yeah, thrown yeah. in there. So like I think that it's so unoriginal the style, especially coming in the sixties. Like if you did something like that this nowadays, is, it'd be refreshing. Yeah, but this but, yeah, it was late sixties as well. Yeah, so, so it's, like, it's like after everybody yeah. has approved of this, this is <laughs> the correct art. This is the correct way of making a movie. Let's make that. And even in that, it's so. Uh, in a way, it's the communist version of. Uh, you know, checklist studio interference, like make a superhero movie that is like getting audience scores, whatever. I don't think it feels that carbon copy. Particularly, I mean, like not whenever he's blending it so well with all the other elements. Like it's a very beautiful execution of it. That's what I'm saying. But it is a carbon copy. It's like when somebody (laughs) plays a very good cover of a song, but playing it in the same style. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if somebody's like a tribute band, really, okay. I think, really good, enjoyable. I know you what said you that mean. you go and see the gig. I know what you mean, but at the same time, I think you're underselling it a little bit because I think it, I think it is very, very, very well done. No, like uh, I, I think it's very, very, very well done, but it never seems to be unoriginal. Yeah. And also, like by <laughs> committee, <laughs> because it's communism, yeah. Uh, not by like you can tell. Okay, like, the I, artist... I I don't think you're right about that at all. Like I I don't I I kind of agree with you to a certain extent, but I I think that it, this film does feel original at the same time because of the like. It, it feels original because of the locale and because it's like uh, when you watch a movie that it is about just day to day life behind the iron curtain. Yeah, they, because we're not used to seeing that point of view. It becomes original it's in its just, way. It's not just that that it's in Cuba. It's the use of the archive as well, and it's the you know it's that context. I think that yeah, like it, I don't think it's something new. Like it's very well executed. But filmmakers have been doing that since the forties, uh, so it's not like it's very well executed. I'm not All gonna right. deny that. Very well executed. But I, I thought more like the the movie was more in a way entertaining in an intellectual level than it is as a as a piece of cinema because I thought that it was like too overt in a way. It would have been interesting to be able to like I wasn't able to pick out reviews of the film when it came out because I'd be very interested to read oh, yeah, archival like, like American or or, or yeah. screen or. Screen International yeah. or The Hollywood Reporter or something. Prob- you probably need to go back to the archive or yeah. something. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes it's hard to find them, but you can do. You can find them on like the New York Times and stuff because they have a full archive. You can. I love reading movies from. You know, we're just like loads of them are. Um, what's her name? Um, Pauline Kale. Pauline Kale. Yeah, I love the old Pauline Kale. <laughs> You're such a badass. Anyways, what was your favorite thing? Um, that's a good question. Um. <laughs> Probably the scenes with the, the, the his rich friend because it was the only time that there was like striking a, a balance really between the uh, style, political undertones and comment because at the same time is the, it was the only moment that they didn't portray Sergio as an out-and-out villain yeah. in a way. And I think that that was the problem with the film because it has no sympathy with the character mm. and no empathy with the character. And now, like, even trying to understand how he became that is just that he is rich. And even the fact, like, that is the, what has made him become that. It's not like his parents, <coughs> like... Going to a whorehouse yeah. when he was a teenager. Yeah, like, it's, but it's like the, the emotional corruption of, of it all. But I think that... Money. I think that, no, the best scene is when he's reminiscing of... Uh, playing with a kid in a rich man's house that it was the only moment that I was like even rich people are people when they're children and I thought that it was a good point mm. that it, sometimes like uh, 
films that take such a political stand uh, are just a message movie. And I thought that that was like actual movement with real heart. Yeah. Almost like if the director had played with a rich kid when he was a kid, <laughs> rich kid, like he's conflicted about it. Um, I had fun though. Yes. <laughs> I was served lemonade by a servant. Oh my God. But yeah, like I, I really enjoyed the movie, but I don't know, like it, because it is such a political statement, I could never, I wasn't able to separate it so yeah. much from the message. Oh, no, it's a very, enough. very political movie. <laughs> I, I watched it not to the same degree, uh, uh, to be said, but with the same sort of eyes once I copped it, what it was, yeah. to something like Triumph of the Will. Uh-huh. That it is more like, uh, even though the message is completely disagreeable with, it's interesting to see how it actually works on you. Mm. And it becomes even scary because then you judge things that you might agree with in open eyes. So I thought that, it, like, in a way, an important uh, counterbalance You're to the other movies. You're not allowed to take movies. that Jordan Peterson book home with you. Yeah. <laughs> well, my brother. It, Can I it, burn it, by the way? <laughs> well, like, that's going to be in the rap party or it's just going to burn Woo! it and go home. Uh, the, like yeah the uh for listeners the uh, uh for our movie we used the jordan peterson book like to be scathing of him as a prop <laughs> and uh, hilariously my brother when i came back after the shoot my brother stopped me sat down like he was about to have an intervention and he went are you reading jordan peterson and i was like no 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 felipe felipe, felipe no the no <laughs> What was your favorite thing? Um, <clears throat> I do love that roundtable scene, but I think I, it's just the, the the shots of him when he's just sort of wandering around talking to himself. You know what I mean? You have yeah. the kind of the inner monologue and everything, and it's all the, the shots in the street and everything, and the people and like the clothes and the cars and the like. You can smell it. Like it's oh, I love those shots and those scenes so much. Um, just wandering around like his little glasses and stuff. Um, yeah, I, I, I love the look of this. I love the soundtrack. Um, yeah, cinematography such, is great. Soundtrack yeah. is great, and the editing is very yeah. good. As it's well. just it's ah, oh, there, there's so much in it. I, I yeah, I love everything, everything, everything about it. Yeah, I found it a very interesting film. Yeah, like uh, mm. like uh, thank you for picking it. Like even though it sounds like it's hard to put into words when it's a film that is um. It's one of the more uh, layered films that we've done in a while. Yeah. So it's hard to put into words how the... Um, like that you can enjoy a movie but disagree with it completely. Yeah. In a way that it's very strange kind of conflicting ideology. It's like... It's kind of like... It's like you, being Sean Penn and the Tree of Life. But you kind of... Father, it's father like, forever you wrestle inside father, of me. Father. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like... <laughs> You know when you kind of go into these movies and you're kind of like, like oh, yeah, I know where my stance is. And by the end of it, you're kind of like, ah, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Oh, yeah. Well, you haven't been converted, let's say, but you enjoyed something. So then you feel like perhaps you were conflicted a little bit. But um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad that you, you did. I that. thought that it was also <laughs> like be an interesting double watch with The Conformist. Yes. Oh, I did think of The Conformist as well, actually. Yeah. Good choice. Uh, what was your least favorite thing? I bet I can guess. Like, um... I don't know, like, it'd be between, like, the performance, but that'd be the easiest one. And for me, it's the second one. I think that it is the... Probably it's because every issue comes from it that you can tell that it's, like, at the same time, even if the filmmaker wasn't pro-communism, it had to be a pro-communism movie to be made uh, yeah. in Cuba at the time. So you can give it a pass in a way because of context and what what it was and what it is. But I think that it's a missed opportunity to be more... Uh, especially because they did it when they were in the right. Mm. They made the movie, like if that movie, this came out in 1978, you can fucking whitewash communism and you have to hide a lot of fucking bad shit. But at that time, it's like just post Bay of Pigs. You have like, you have the excuse to (laughs) like literally, the actual excuse of protecting your country Mm. from foreign invasion and foreign uh, enemies and American imperialism America or whatnot. is an easy villain. Yeah, and to whoever, like especially Irish people, say that I disagree with revolution. No, is a way of doing it. In the same way that, uh, <laughs> like, if you think about it, that a lot of people go like, oh. "It's okay when you're fighting the British." Yeah, but it's more like the the style of like the turn into the democracy. That I think that that was the problem that I had with communism in Cuba more than anything else is that. 
uh, as a concept it was great mm. but the execution of not liberating the vote afterwards and being a single party state it was the the issue that it was because even like give yourself a, a leeway of like five or six years to build a country there's no problem the same way the uh the irish free state when the like um the devil was the president when nobody had an election Mm. you know because you have to have a government yeah, when you fall, not, fall, form a country the, the de Valera. no no like I don't agree with everything that de Valera ever did he took the trains away Ricardo yeah sorry well. <laughs> anyways the ticker drafts <laughs> he took our trains um <laughs> my favorite thing uh oh, yes. the female character like yes yeah. yeah, it's, it's just yeah, as soon as she shows up on screen, from the introduction to her character to when her character leaves, you're like, ah, like this there, is very uncomfortable. There's a, not a single redeeming quality about her. No, like even she's she so could, she's good at wearing. She can wear a stripy top. But the problem is that she's so uh, like general 1960s model look. Yeah, that she's not even attractive because it, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, uh, no, she's very pretty. No, she's very pretty. But let's say in a guy sense, because even in the movie sexualizing and everything, yeah, uh, is that I never felt attracted to her mm. because she feels so plasticky and so yeah. like literally unremarkably 1960s. Yeah. You know, the, if you open any magazine like the Minnesota Herald, you would have <laughs> found somebody that looked exactly like Which that. I you hope it's a real paper still going um yeah i'm glad i'm glad that i'm glad you liked it though that's uh i will i knew that even if you had pro i knew that like this is obviously not a perfect movie at all but um there's i, knew, I felt like there's too many interesting things at, at work here yeah. and the time and the yeah that it's it, it god it's just it's an endlessly fascinating like, era and just seeing it from the kind of cuban yeah. context as well like even all obviously to, to be from the cuban context at that time it had to be pro communism to a certain extent but um it, it is fascinating and it, it's fascinating now even the fact that like we say communist and we say socialist and those words are very much uh, having a kind of a metamorphosis let's say in like the current vernacular yeah like it being bastardized being well you like know, it's, it's always been it's, it's, it's well, the american yeah, way it's, it's the new you know like it's it's the it's what are, it's the new version of what you know like of what's in vogue now and it's it's just it's, but like uh, it's interesting it's like now especially with like just relationship with russia and it, it, uh, you know so many films that we do now that are, of course end up with their new renewed relevance but um yeah it's just it's really interesting so i'm glad that you liked it like my granddad was a proper 1950s american type the uh, even in uruguay he he was like oh if the leftist party which is not even the like proper socialist party it'd be <laughs> kind of like new labor <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> he's like if these communists take power i'm gonna swim to argentina and it's uh, like uh, you labor when he took over because mujica was probably uh, proper socialist but then is the <laughs> not to go delve too much into latin american politics but beyond why not? already have yeah <laughs> uh, is that I think that it's uh, interesting in the context of this movie or any other movie to notice the differences and similarities of ideals that like communism has as much to to link to itself as extreme right wing things mm. that they're almost in the same spectrum and rather like uh, centrist left and centrist right are pretty much the same thing except every so often like 50 50 like maybe 60 to 40 percent leaning one way or the other mm. and then if you're like a socialist you're somewhere in the middle kind of thing yeah <laughs> uh yeah well uh that was very interesting i'm glad you enjoyed it um, yeah, uh, so much fun watching it as well it was like, oh. but um it's a very short like for how much ground yeah, it covers it's not like, unlike cold yeah. war as well yeah. which yeah that's funny that you said that because that's all i was thinking and not just because i've just watched it but because there are very strong comparisons i there. think maybe also i might have come out a little bit stronger like in my opinions because i watched cold war after watching this yeah and i think that it kind of like hardened you a little yeah to, yeah uh but at the same time, while I was watching it, I was already forming that opinion. But mm. I usually watch the movies well in advance of the episode so I can let it simmer a bit to see. Yeah, it's because, good to have the time. Yeah. Sometimes I don't get the chance to do that. And I find out like, days later that I'm like, I should have said that. Yeah. But um, yeah, so uh, that was um, 
I forgot the name of it. <laughs> that was Memories of Underdevelopment. Uh, my life. Uh, so, <laughs> Ricardo, uh, next week is your birthday, but it's not going to be your birthday pick. We're, yes. we're pushing that down the road a bit. Um, so, what is your pick for next week? Imitation of Life, directed by Douglas Sirk. Excellent. Oh, it's time. Get ready for the melodrama. The actual original melodrama. Uh, great. So in the meantime, where can they find us? They can find us on Facebook, The Recommendation Game, at The Rec Game on Twitter, the recommendation game at gmail.com. And you can also catch us on every Monday, 11 to 12 on Dublin Digital Radio. And you can uh, see repeat episodes on uh, the Dublin Digital Radio Mixcloud. Or updated. Uh, cool. <laughs> well, until then, I was Orla Mavinas. And I was Ricardo. <laughs> Thanks for listening. See you next week.